0: Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, and we want to send a big shout out to the Dunlap Champions Club, which has been the sponsor of Front Row Knowles podcast for some time. Now, hopefully during the 2017 season, you got a chance to sample it. I know on the field, the season may not have gone the way you wanted, but uh, off the field, the experience remained top shelf inside the Dunlap Champions Club.
1: Without question, the, the ability to go to a ball game, to, to be inside when it's hot, to have refreshments, food, drink, those types of things. And you and I both, Tom, have talked about, uh, particularly during this semester, school semester, we We've been in there for other functions, and certainly many of our listeners uh, should have the opportunity and will have the opportunity to be there for other than football games. If you're a member, you've got that opportunity on Friday nights prior to the game. You can do things on Sunday. It's uh, obviously attached to the University Center Club. Uh, It's a great all round venue for anything that's going on during the weekend. It was built with 365 days a year function
0: space or functions in mind. I'll I'll remind you that uh, next year, 2018, Seven home games on the schedule, including Virginia Tech, Florida, and Clemson. Plant that little seed now. If you want more info, go to FSUClubSeats.com or FSUChampionsClub.com. And now, without further ado,
1: Front Row Knowles.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Hello, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you. Big day for Florida State. We got men's basketball on tap shortly. Big basketball buzz of late. It was a huge weekend for the men and the women. There is football to catch up on. There always is, KJ, and we're going to talk uh, pretty extensively today, I think, about Florida State football. The coaching staff has been secured. Unfortunately, there's also uh, potentially troubling news with DeAndre Francois' name coming up uh for, for the wrong reasons on something that happened uh, apparently earlier today. And in full disclosure, Keith, because you are such a stickler on your preparation for men's basketball, <laughs> oftentimes for a 7 o'clock tip, you'll be at the Tucker Center before the sun even rises. You and I get together at odd times sometimes to tape this show. So we don't have the latest on that other than that story about DeAndre. Other than that's an incident. An incident. An incident. Potential domestic violence incident. That's all we know, so we're not going to
1: speculate on that. Uh, so where do you want to start with all that? Uh, let's start with the women and women's basketball. Huge win over Louisville. And uh, all week to prepare for what is being labeled Separation Sunday. And uh, I, I'm excited for Coach Sue and those ladies. They, they are playing some really, really good basketball at this juncture of the season. It was a huge win
0: and 14,000-plus in attendance at Louisville for that women's game. And Coach Sue is pulling out all the stops this week to try and get a huge crowd for that 4 o'clock game. We'll talk with one of the stars of the Florida State team uh, women's team coming up in just a little bit about that separation Sunday. Now, the men got a huge win as well. And it looked even bigger in light of the fact that two days later, Virginia Tech spanked North Carolina. So uh, Castle Coliseum, that dates back a ways. I heard Gene talking about his Metro Conference days to Castle Coliseum. I've called games there. You've been in there for 20 years, it's, probably it's longer. It's a very
1: interesting place, uh, it's obviously right beside the, the football facility. In fact, when you, when you go downstairs and work your way into the media area for basketball, you walk through the reception area of football. And obviously, Florida State playing Virginia Tech to open up uh, the season uh, on Labor Day night. All of that confluence was there together. Uh, I won't tell you about the time uh, Coach Beamer and I hang, hung out in the in the restroom uh, at halftime of a basketball game, but that's for a story for another day. But the point being, uh, it was just uh, interesting to be in the middle of all that. Florida State got a big win uh, in the same week that it's announced. Uh, obviously, we knew ahead of time, but it was announced that FSU would kick off the season against the Hokies. In football
0: well that was a significant win especially in light of letting the louisville game at home get away Recently, So now Florida State has a chance to get to 500. And it's funny because we play this game. I don't know why we play this game because the ACC is brutal top to bottom. But people look at the schedule and say, well, it's lightning out now. So FSU will get two wins this week. They'll be five and four. Well, two wins are not guaranteed.
1: Not at any time, and, and any, any way,
0: say, any way, shape, form, or fashion. And I know it sounds like coach peak, but you certainly can't win two tonight because you play one game. Exactly. So what you got to do is get back to 500. We need a good crowd. Hopefully there, there will be. It's a 7 o'clock game, so it's a better tip time than a late game. Georgia tech is it's weird when you look at their schedule because overall you hear 10 and 9 3 and 3 in the league doesn't stand out florida state's a heavy favorite then you look at it and uh they got a win over notre dame now i know notre dame is shorthanded um but notre dame has been playing well even without colson and then you know recently they've lost to virginia and and on the road at carolina well i mean virginia is leading the acc and on the road at carolina is on the road at carolina so I guess what I'm saying is you can't just go ahead and as no. uh, Seth Davis would say, get the
1: Sharpie out here and count it as a win. Anytime you've got Lammers on your team, Ben Lammers, you've got an opportunity to win ball games. This is a guy that was in many people's eye the preseason uh, pick uh in, at least in terms of returning players uh you had Bagley coming in as the as the newbie at uh, duke and and all the hype that went with that but ben lemmers was considered as good a uh veteran a c c player as there is <coughs> pardon me and and tech has has played everybody reasonably well you can't go down that list and find anybody that has reasonably has really blown them out uh and like every other game that leonard talks about uh, you just want to you want to look up that scoreboard at the end of the game and be up by one exactly right so we'll talk more about that game and, and flipping it real
0: quick uh instead of getting overwhelmed talking about the yellow jackets MJ Walker and his performance was significant, especially with P.J. Savoy out right now. It continues to be a different guy every night. They continue the last few years to be better at home, but that's an ACC trend. I mean, nobody wins on the road in the league. That's why it was so significant to get a win at Virginia Tech.
1: Home win percentage, Tommy, is edging up near 80% for this year. I mean, it's as strong... A, a home court advantage, as I can remember in
0: my eighteen years of doing this. So it's a big, big week at the Tucker Center. You got men's basketball tonight. You got a four o'clock game against Miami on Saturday. Hopefully, Florida State does win both of those, and they're five and four in the league as they get back at it. And we get closer to February. The women's game comes up on Sunday. We'll talk more about that. uh On the football side, Keith, you and I haven't reacted a lot to the coaching staff. We don't know them. Well, we don't know them personally. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's like recruiting. I'm, I'm going. Them,
1: I've got to learn ten new names i got to memorize or, or do something. You know, it used to be so easy with the guys that we'd been around with so, for so long. And with that complete turnover other than Odell, uh, it's going to take – got to, we got to learn some stuff. So let's just do
0: a, a couple of – we'll qualify this a little bit. Everybody gets gung-ho on recruiting. I always say evaluate a recruiting class a couple years from now, or at least when you've seen the kid on the field. So these coaches – and we've said this before – I think it looks really good on paper and everything I've read about it. But we got to see how they gel together and how the chemistry is. But in terms of 30,000-foot view, the staff's a decade younger than it was. It's more diverse than it was, maybe the most diverse staff in the country. I don't know. It is a staff. You can take this as good or bad they didn't go to the SEC and hire a single coach. They went and got, they expanded the horizon. In the SEC, when they make coaching changes, they only hire SEC coaches, generally speaking. Jimbo, an exception at A&M, but Florida hired Dan Mullen, Tennessee hired Jeremy Pruitt. The ACC, historically, the last few years, they've expanded it. I mean, they went and got Mark Rick. He was out of the SEC, but they brought in Bronco, Mendenhall, and anyway, Willie Taggart, he's got guys that came in from Oregon, from Michigan, from Michigan State. So I like the different... Thought processes that will come to the table when these coaches meet, because it's it's nationwide college football. It's not just the southeast perspective.
1: Well, and the other thing, I'll go back to the part of the original message that that Coach Taggart uh, was preaching is he wanted he wanted coaches that could mentor young men and could recruit. And last I checked, that makes coaching almost third on the list. Well, we know all these guys can coach. I mean, if you go back and look at their pedigree. Uh, they they've had a track record of coaching, which means to me that Willie has gone through whatever vetting process he is using to make sure that they can mentor young men and recruit because we know they can coach. And if he's hit on, you know, 10 of 10 in those other two regards, this could end up being a pretty phenomenal staff.
0: And let's point out, so it took maybe longer than people wanted. I think when you... That, that's my point. Impatient well, social media Where's, folks. The, where's the book? Impatient society today. Yep. Um, I think the timeline was fine. Now, uh, you know, maybe he missed out on some guys. Maybe he wanted Dugan's. He didn't come. But here's well, the well, thing.
1: Let's say he did. Let's say he did. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If he wanted Levitt and Levitt chose to stay at Oregon, do you stick your head in the sand, give up, and, and just not pursue or or did you have a list did you have some priorities did you have some guys knowing that you know you're not going to get 10 of your 10 picks
0: and even if you didn't did it force you to go back to the table and say you know what I wanted Leavitt and I wanted Dugan's but let me rethink this and maybe you ended up in a better place maybe he's talking to Harbaugh and Harbaugh says you know what that guy at Michigan State gives me fits every year you need to hire him bingo, you know, or let me get Greg Fry, even though he's on my staff, this guy can help you out. And he went to FSU. So bottom line, we don't know. It will be judged by wins and losses and and how they work. But I think on paper, you can't argue with it at this point. They've got good coaching records. Uh, He said all the right things. They're excellent recruiters. There's a lot of Florida ties to this staff, despite the fact that they're coming from a lot
1: of different places. So two benchmarks coming up. What, what, what will be a reasonable and acceptable signing day? Okay, And what do you want to see when you leave the spring game in April? You're asking me or these are big? I'm I'm asking all of us.
0: Well, I think on signing day, he's indicated, what did he say, 16 to 17, and they've got seven or eight signed now. So they need to sign an equivalent number. Uh, They've already shot up from 70-something in the rankings to 30-something. I think reasonable folks would say if you ended up with a top 20 class considering where this was and reports that Jimbo staff wasn't even recruiting the last half of the season, I don't think you could really argue with it. And, and the way the recruiting numbers are figured, a lot of it has to do with volume. So if you only sign 16 kids, you can't, you, you can't be number five unless you're signed. So like Stanford and the Learfield. Yeah. So that's cut. fine. And I think the spring game to me is always a lot of hype and then you're let down when you leave regardless and it's because if the offense looked great then you think man our defense isn't very good and if the defense looked great you know you think our offense isn't very good that said everybody's gonna leave the spring game excited because it's gonna look different than what Jimbo did there's gonna be new plays there's gonna be other guys playing so people are gonna be excited after the spring game the real question is gonna be how are we gonna feel the morning after Labor Day because if that's a win over Virginia Tech Regardless of score, people are going to wake up that Tuesday and say, game on. But
1: if it's a loss, there's still the potential.
0: There's still potential. Yeah, the upside is going to continue to grow as the system gets in place. Speaking of upside, Keith, uh, our good friends at uh, For the Table, because they don't have enough ventures already, have uh, now got a little side place at Centrale. Uh, It opens February 7th, actually, signing day. So there's a nice segue. It's an ice cream and sweet shop that's oh going to be built
1: in so if you don't you'll get, notice that i've not I'm, I'm not able to spend a it, whole lot of time at at sodo yes if you're not that's getting donuts the, yes and now they're opening this oh my gosh kathleen's going to Let's Can't just let's just be honest me. with what they've done here. They basically
0: have hit the college food groups. They've got donuts at Soto. They've got pizza and Trolley. They've got pretzels and beer at Township. They've got wings and you know uh, upscale gastro pub bar food at Madison Social. And now we've got the ice cream and the sweets at the new. So that's pretty. That's the five food groups that college students pay attention to, right? And, I know what and a, most of us I know what a trifecta
1: is. What is a quadfecta or whatever? Uh, yeah, five it's is? A, it's a quinfecta or something. When, uh, All right,
0: we'll step aside. We're just getting cranked up. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this.
2: You got me running, going out of my Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. <laughs>
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, a Wednesday night, Florida State and Georgia Tech coming up at the Tucker Center, but we're going to talk football right now. Tom and KJ back with you as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to a guy who is coming back for his farewell tour, his senior season at Florida State, running back Jacquez Patrick. How are you, Jacquez? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Let's let's start right there because uh, several guys, you know, had the option to sit down and weigh pros and cons and say, "Am I going to come back? Am I going to turn pro?" Walk us through your decision-making process and and what it came down to for you to decide to to come back and play another year at FSU. You know, um, it was, it
3: was, it, was a, it was a very tough decision. You know, have an opportunity you know, to go live out my dreams or you know um, come back you know, and, and finish out, you know, something, you know, special here at Florida State. And, you know, for me it was just following my heart. You know, I felt like um I can I can help the school do a lot of great things this coming year and I feel like Target, you know, me Target are on the same page. You know, as far as getting that done, you know, you he can help me, I can help them and uh, we can, and, you know coming back, you know, I feel like the program we can do some good things.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm curious and I didn't talk to the other guys who've moved on and everybody has their own set of uh, you know, criteria to make that decision. But on the one hand, you could look at it and say, you know, I don't want to reinvest and learn a whole new system and meet all new coaches and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, you could say, you know, this is, this is a shot in the arm. It's it's sort of a fresh start for everybody. I'm rejuvenated. So, you know, did that play in at all? And, and in talking with Coach Taggart, you know, where do you see – how do you see your role uh, in what is going to be a different offense than what you've been in?
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, Coach Taggart, you know, um, we spoke, you know – from day one when he got there, you know what I'm saying? He, 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 he expressed, you know, uh, what, what he had planned for me, you know, and the opportunity that he had laid out for me, you know. Uh, and I felt very comfortable with that. And so, like I said, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm I'm excited to play for him. I'm going to come back and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him my all, you know, for one, one last year. you know, hopefully, you know, this year will be, you know, a springboard, you know, it's a, a bunch of great years for Coach Tiger, you know what I'm saying? Because we, we're looking to great advantages You know, he, the programs, you know, he's very rejuvenated, you know, with the new energies brought with him and the new staff. So I'm, I'm very excited for this year.
1: Jacques, K, uh, KJ here. When we watched Georgia play last year, we saw Chubb, we saw Michelle, and the two kids combined for over 8,000 career rushing yards. The days of, of just having one running back. That's key to 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 success. I think are kind of gone away. Talk a little bit about your your comfort with with uh, your your young pup running behind you, and and what you're able to share with him, and how he pushes you, and how you two guys had a great year this year, and what you look for for next year. Oh, you know, uh, Cam's a
3: great player. You know, um, the thing about Cam is very humble, and he's always willing to work. You know, that's one thing I can respect out of anybody. You know, what I'm saying Anyone, you know that they're humble and willing to work, you know, no matter what, you know, so that champ came in with tons of hype, but, um, the first, the first one that the came and saw, you know, for like, you know, anything about, knowledge of the playbook and how to get things done at for State, it wasn't he you know, and I was respecting him for that, and, you know, and me and him, you know, we make a, make a, a very good combo, um, you know, we feed off each other, you know, um, I, I, I got some things that I learned from Dalvin that, he, he, I, I was able to show him, you know what I'm saying. So like, it's it's, it's cool, you know what I'm saying. The things that, you know, how just, it's just the things just trickle down, you know. When, when my time here is up, those things, you know, he'll show it to the younger guys that that come in after you know, after us. And you know, I'm just I'm just excited, you know, the opportunity you know, to go out there and play to play with him. And you know, he is a great back, you know. We, we both push each other, you know. Um, like you said, we both had you know good years next year, but we are not satisfied with the years we had. Yeah, I feel like we both we both think we can got you know a lot more in the tank. So this year we're looking forward to you know, going out there and just, you know, playing the best of our ability.
0: We're talking with Jacquez Patrick who's back for his senior year at FSU. You know, I was looking at the numbers, Jaquez, and if you put up comparable numbers as a senior, is what you did last year, which was I don't know seven eight hundred yards rushing somewhere in that that realm. You'll you'll be in the top ten in FSU history in career rushing yards, and I don't know that the average fan would say that because you've played behind Dalvin and last year Cam got got a lot of the headlines as talented as he is. Um, that said, it, it, you know, getting away from the individual things, from a team standpoint, as as you go into this year and sort of this new era. What what has been the biggest change or where do you think the biggest improvement will come? Is it is it physical? Is it gonna be schematic with new offense? Is it gonna be mental and attitude with people having a fresh start? I mean, where do you expect to see the biggest changes from this Florida State team?
3: You know, um, I think, you know, for the most part, I think change is, is always good, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know things, you know, some guys it's, it's it's a new generation of people you know, coming up, and for some guys, you know, I think the change was, was outstanding for them. You know, for some guys, it may happen, you know, some of those guys may have, may have left, you know, because they want to go through that change. But, you know, you just got to know what's best for you. And, and they, you know, football, you know, you got to love football. No matter who's coaching you, no matter, you know, who's playing beside you, you got to love fo- the game of football, especially at this level, because it requires so much. It'd be great, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like, you know, with, with the new staff we have here, you know, the guys are very energized, and um, you know, we look forward. You know, we've been working really hard in the weight room so far. We are just looking forward, you know, to to happen like, September third, you know, because we, we we put in the work this offseason. I mean, you know, it's going to pay off.
1: Speaking of new staff, uh, tell us what your uh, first impressions are of Coach uh, Pimpleton.
3: Yeah, Coach Pimpleton. You know, um, you know, we already formed a relationship. You know, we talked off there. I've already been with him, you know, trying to learn all this passive pass detection and all of the Dolphins, you know, and I feel like I already got a good grasp of it, you know, so I feel like I'm a smarter guy, so, you know, I can, it's easy for me to pick up the offense, guys, and i wondering, you know, why, you know, come back to my offense for free, we can go to the NFL, get paid to learn one, but, you know, either way, you know, I feel like, you know, I've been blessed to be put in a position where, you know, NFL. And my future, regardless of if it was this year or next year, so um, that was that was that was a lot of pressure. course, you know, yeah, he got some guys that been in the so, NFL. You know, I talked to Royce and Freeman, who who's he's going to be in the draft this year, and um you know, Russ really liked him. You know, so I got I got a lot of background information, you know, on, on the staff before you know I had made my decision. It was very informative. You know, a, a formative decision. You know, I talked to multiple guys. I even talked to Coach Fisher. You know, so it was a, it was a very formative decision. What's uh,
1: what's the biggest change that you've seen here in the early going of the off-season workout program? What are what are you guys doing differently?
3: Oh, uh, it's just, it's, 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 just, it's a lot more intense. Um, you know, uh, our new strength coach. You know, he he, he it's, it's two hours of four work. You know, when I say two hours, it's not a, it's not a it's not a minute that goes by that you you get you're not working. You know. And, I, and that's the biggest thing, you know. It's the tent, and I, I think guys like that, you know what I'm saying? 'Cause it's, it's, it's going, it's going to make us better in the long run. You know, he's pushing us to limits that we haven't haven't uh, seen before.
0: We're talking with Jaquez Patrick, you were at a local elementary school today, I think Sable Palm Elementary. So, tell us uh, what were you, what you were doing, and uh, what that interaction with the students was like.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I was at Sable Palm Elementary today, and the, the thing with that you know, you, kids, you know, kids look up to us. And for us to go out there, you know, take time on our days, you know, just to go sit down and read and even ask the questions, you know, that they 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 never you know get to ask, uh, ask you know, some of us because you know some of us some of us don't go have the opportunity to go to those schools. But and uh, it was just, for me it's big because when I was in in the, in their shoes, I was one of the people, you know, at this level to come and talk to me and, and see me and those just so I can get those questions of how how they got there, you know, and how they what, what it take for them to succeed, in, you know, at that level, you know. So when I went back there, you know, I just told them the importance of reading, you know, importance of anything with that, that Dan Coop's work, you know, because I told them how I got to where I'm at, and it took a lot of work and dedication, not just on the football field, but in the classroom, because there's, there's requirements, you know, that you got you got to get through in high school, even middle school, to get to this point. So I was just trying to preach the importance of hard work and dedication, you know, no matter what you do.
0: Well, we've certainly seen your hard work and dedication on the field uh you you run with a toughness that I think we all appreciate and
1: uh I would not want to tackle you is what i'm telling you <laughs> that's a form,
0: that's a former safety speaker yeah i I might pay to see that right now though now. you're safe you're safe
1: Darkless. you're safe
0: <laughs> hey there there's a lot of folks that are really excited about your decision and and uh we're among them we certainly wish you the best of luck uh in your senior season and as this uh new regime kicks off because you're obviously going to be one of the key leaders so thank you no
2: problem at all front row Knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu here's tom and keith
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, and it is a busy edition of the show. Tom and Keith with you once more. We'll fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We just freed it up. Jacques Patrick, last segment. A.J. Alex, who's the starting point guard for the Florida State women's basketball team, is on the line now. A.J., it's been a slow week. All you guys did was win in front of 14,000 folks at Louisville the other day, (laughs) thanks in large part to a key three that you hit at the end of the game. So just sort of sum up uh, that feeling and and the emotions of that win.
4: Um, it was it was great. It was amazing. Um, just being able to go out there, you know, in front of a big crowd with my teammates. You know, it's hard to win on the road, but um, you know, the whole game it was just hard for me because uh, I never played in front of a crowd like that. So I was just making like a lot of mistakes, and you know, to just you know bounce back and just mentally get myself together and hit the, hit the big shot. It, it just felt amazing.
0: People who don't follow women's basketball closely at FSU may not be aware that the, the job that Sue Semrao has done, first of all, comprehensively with the success of the program, but secondarily with FSU becoming a landing spot for, for folks that have transferred in recent years, whether it's Leticia Romero or you've got a couple teammates right now and Chatrice and Amani who came from other schools. So I don't know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. You were at TCU the last couple of years. And I think you led TCU in points and assists just last year. But as a graduate transfer, you decided to come to FSU. So why the decision to transfer and why FSU?
4: Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love uh, TCU. Um, TCU is a great school. And the program's great. Like, they're in top 24 right now. I mean, top 25 right now. So they're doing amazing. But um, I just wanted to, you know, I was there for four years. I just wanted to, you know, try to sprint. My style of play was different from what they had. So I just wanted to, you know, go somewhere where, you know, they push the ball, you know, and all that type of stuff. So when I opened the process up, I got a call from Florida State, and it was shocking. I'm like, Florida State? Like, no, Florida State doesn't want me. Like, this is weird. Like, this isn't true. And so I got on the phone with Coach Sue and Coach Brooks. You know, I just grew a relationship with them. And they brought me on the visit, and everything was amazing. And everything that they they said about the program, everything they could they'll do, is happening and more. So, I think that um, she's just a woman of her word. And when I got here, they just took care of me. They welcomed me with open arms. Like it was, it was just amazing. It, it felt like it feels like I've been here all four years. And I just love my teammates. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just the most amazing feeling. I feel like it's the best decision of my life.
1: AJ, we hear that occasionally, actually a lot, from uh, the kids that come in. And, and I guess my question to you is, tell us about how your relationship developed and where you're at in your relationship with Coach Sue. Um, <laughs> That's,
4: that's a weird that you ask that. I've never experienced a relationship with my head coach. Not because not of my head coach, just because like, I'm just – I just get shy and, and nervous when it comes to that point, like going to coach's office and like building relationships. But Coach Sue made it so easy. Like she took up on like she took the role like she took up on the road and just made sure she called me every day, make sure she checked on me. You know, and during the process, um, that's when we really became close, um, because she when she called me to talk, it wasn't about basketball. It was about life and, you know, making sure that I was good and, Checking on me and stuff like that, and uh, I remember my visit. when we were out to eat. She looked at me and she looked at me, and she was like, "You know, I feel like I can trust you." And before she even said that, I knew like this is where I want to be. Like it was just amazing. Like the whole visit was amazing. And so I was like, "You can like remember that." And so it's just her just making sure like everything's okay. Like even when she's on the road recruiting and I'm here with the team, she's making sure that. I'm uh, ready for practice, even though she's not going to be there or something like that. And just making sure that that I know what I'm supposed to do, and that if I need anything, to let her know. So like, it's just it's just amazing. Like I I feel like this is this is like one of the best decisions I made. Like I said, and they're they're just they're just amazing people and everything that they talk about. Like it, it happens
0: talking with A.J. Alex, who's the starting point guard for Sue Semrao's Seminoles. And we're getting set for separation Sunday. You may have seen a social media blitz begin with uh, Coach Sue. Hashtag count me in, Coach. There's a big push on Facebook and Twitter because they want to pack the Tucker Center on Sunday. Just some background here, A.J., allow me real quick. Uh, this is going to be the only the second AP top ten matchup at the Tucker Center in women's hoops history. Notre Dame's five, Florida State is eight. It's the top two offenses in the ACC, FSU first, Notre Dame second. Florida State going for consecutive wins over top five teams for the first time in program history. It's the winningest two programs over the last four seasons in the ACC and a rematch of the top two regular season uh, teams from a year ago. I'll stop there to just – and the reason it's called Separation Sunday is because there's a logjam game uh, – logjam at the top, and obviously whoever wins this is going to create a little separation in terms of the ACC regular season race. So I just I just teed up a lot. You may not have known those stats, but you know it's a big game. So <laughs> tell me what the keys are uh, as you guys prepare for Notre Dame on Sunday.
4: Um they're they're an amazing team uh like you said and their coach is amazing their programming is is amazing but like coach always say we we have to play our game like we we know what we can do and there's no team can stop what we can do if we just you know put into play what they have for us and the um the game plan that they have for us we have to just stay focused and locked in through, through it all um Today, we get back into practice, and we're going to figure out, you know, the coaches are going to tell us what, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. So I think I think if we start in practice and we um, just get our mindsets right and just – I know we just won. We're, like, celebrating it still, but we got to move on to the next one. We got to know that um, this one's just as important as well the one that we just won. So.
1: Aj. Also on Sunday, they'll they'll be drawing attention to Samaritan's Feet uh, and, and all that the the proceeds and things that that organization does. I'm just curious. Um, you're a first year player, although you're a senior. What's it going to be like to look over and see Coach Sue barefoot in the Tucker Center? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, um, with the with the whole program, uh, the Samaritan's Feet. It was amazing. Like I just love. I just love the fact that you know someone can just you know, give you know, look look into kids' eyes and just give give back to them. I think it's just so amazing. I'm I'm a big fan of it and for Coach Sue to just do something like that, that's big. And I think it's gonna be a little weird, but at the end of the day, like, if I can play barefoot for the program I'll do it. Like, just because my coach is over there on the side by doing it. It's just amazing. <laughs>
0: AJ you've had uh, an amazing uh, start to your your one year here at FSU the team is 18 and 2 up to number 8 in the country and uh we hope you get a, a ter- I know you'll get a terrific crowd and uh, maybe we can set a record on Sunday at the Tucker Center
2: best of luck not
0: just against Notre Dame but the rest of
2: the way
4: thank you thank you so much
2: Front row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: We continue to keep that line cranking the Earl Bacon agency. Burning it it up. Burning it up. It has been busy today. Ensuring your future together, we say hello to our Seminals insider Tim Linnefeld, who's on the horn now. And uh, Tim, as I just detailed to you in the break, uh, congratulations! This is the twenty-seven Yanks, and you're playing the part of Babe Ruth. Keith and I, then we went to Jacques Patrick in the two hole, which is probably not where most would put him with that frame. And then AJ Alex hitting third. Now you're batting cleanup. Welcome. How are you?
5: Uh, I'm a little nervous now with that kind of pressure, putting me behind those heavy hitters. I I just don't know. I'm more of a, a you know a bottom of the order kind of guy. I try to extend the rally well we
0: we are getting toward the tail end of the show i just didn't want to introduce you as the eight hole hitter so you know i well, put you in the cleanup no. some, spot some i'm sorry the
1: e-i-g-h-t or did you say something else <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we've talked uh, obviously we talked to aj alex and uh, talked to women's hoops big promotion big opportunity for them we heard from jacques patrick about some of the transitions with the football program haven't start haven't spent a lot of time on men's basketball and since they play shortly here at the tucker center What's your thoughts uh, on that matchup tonight? It's a key game, a chance to get back to five hundred for Leonard's squad.
5: Uh, yeah, I think that the game tonight and the game Saturday just both taken as as a total package are really really important. Uh, mainly because, and you know, I think as a, if we've seen anything, is you got to win your home games and and you steal a couple on the road. Florida State was able to get one uh, against Virginia Tech, which was a really big win, especially since Virginia Tech went out and, and handled North Carolina a couple days ago. Uh, that win's looking a little bit better. But you still have to hold serve uh, on your home floor, and then again, it starts against Georgia Tech tonight, who I think you know it's probably you know fair to say is a sort of a middling ACC team. But you know, any any idea that Florida State could overlook these guys should be uh, uh, done with pretty quickly when you remember what happened last year, which is when Florida State went to Georgia Tech riding uh, perhaps their, their best streak or, or best run of games uh, in in years, uh, and went out and just got throttled by Georgia Tech. So I think that they'll they'll have their full attention. It should be a good atmosphere, and like you said, it's an opportunity to sort of move past the, uh, I wouldn't really call it a disappointing start to the ACC season, but a a slow start. And if if you win tonight and they're able to, to beat Miami, uh, and then it's full speed ahead into February.
1: You mentioned last year's game and and a uh, throttle. I I'm from Wildwood. I don't think that's what I would have called last year's game. And I would think Coach Stan and Coach Hamilton and and and, and Gates and uh, Cy have brought out that uh, disc and uh, played a little bit of it uh, over the last couple of days. What do you think?
5: Uh, I think it's very possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's uh, that that wasn't a great one. But again, you know, in in a sense now maybe it's a good thing because uh, it, you're not going to have a hard time getting anybody's attention. There are plenty of guys here who are on that team, uh, you know, was there was there for what happened. Uh, and, you know, and you can look at this, uh, at this Georgia Tech team, so, you know, look, they did beat Miami. They beat Notre Dame twice, uh, or excuse me, they split with Notre Dame. Uh, they beat Notre Dame once and also beat Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, look, it's, whether or not they're a tournament team, probably not at this stage of the game. But but they've shown they can beat tournament teams. Uh, they they beat Miami, and so uh, if if you're not focused, you don't have your full attention. If, if you think that what you did on Saturday uh, is going to matter, then you know you're probably going to be sorely mistaken. So uh, if you think yeah, and, if ahead, if, you, if
0: you think that, you just might as well check out of the ACC. I
5: mean, sure, right, right, right. And and you know these 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 lessons are sort of uh, self evident, you know, night in and night out, and sometimes it's just tough. But but the point being, uh, you know, Georgia Tech has shown. Uh, and, and not all that long ago, that they can beat upper echelon teams in the ACC uh, if, if things break the right way, and if, if you know their opponent doesn't take them seriously. So, uh, you know, it's it's nice to be able to have that as an example. You're not just saying it uh, in the film room. you're not just trying to convince guys. You can look at you know the schedule or look at their highlights and say, look, here it is. You, you know, and you don't don't take my word for it. Ask Miami.
0: Tim MJ Walker broke out against Virginia Tech. How significant is that, especially in light of PJ being out? And I don't know how long he's out for. As I make that statement.
5: I think it is significant uh, for, for a couple reasons. I think it's significant, uh, P.J. notwithstanding. Obviously, P.J. being out, it certainly helps to have somebody who can uh, who can shoot uh, and make some things happen. But more than that, though, I just think that for a, a freshman, a former McDonald's All-American, a guy who's used to being an impact player, having uh, you know sort of things maybe run through him, not that he expects to have things run through him, but I think he's used to having more success on the offensive end uh, than he was during ACC play. I mean, if you look back uh, on, on Florida State's five previous games leading up to that Virginia Tech game, uh, he didn't score more than seven points in any of them. And in that game against Syracuse, which Florida State won by the way, he, he scored zero. Uh, so a bit of an offensive slump. But Leonard Hamilton said he was still playing pretty good defense. But, you know, look, they, they need that guy to contribute. Uh, and the fact that he was able to do what he did on the road uh, and, and find that shooting touch, which, by the way, was a, a part of, uh, I think, the team in general, refining its shooting touch after a, a tough couple of games. Uh, it, it's it's a it's absolutely a positive thing uh, being able to get that guy to contribute, particularly from from three point range, which he's been pretty good at uh, four for seven against Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, it, it's another weapon. You know, you, we we kind of know what uh, what Brian Angola is capable of with C.J. Walker and, and, and Trent Forrest and Phil Cofer. You know, you, you kind of know what they're going to give you. Terrence Mann, of course, uh, on a given night, but but MJ almost feels like kind of the the wild card. You know, like some nights he's going to score seven. Uh, and maybe you win and maybe you don't. But on nights when he goes out and scores in the 20s, which he has shown himself capable of doing, uh, you're probably going to win. Uh, and, and in some cases, when, you know a nine-point win at Virginia Tech, that's about as comfortable as it gets on the road uh, in the ACC. So to me, he's kind of that, that swing factor kind of player.
1: Tim, you and I, I think, are in agreement we stay away from particularly, you know, we're basically entering the halfway point of the ACC schedule, and I always hated the term must win. But uh, if Florida State doesn't get focused tonight and doesn't win tonight, does that mean there's some uh, fissures and maybe some cracks in the armor about what we think this team could be? Or is it just the way the ACC works in these days?
5: I think a little bit of both, right? Uh, you know, look, it, 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 it's, it's kind of uh, you know a cliche at this point, and one we hear a lot, but it, look, it's true. The ACC is hard. You know, it's a really, really difficult league, and I think it's you know more difficult than some of the other "quote unquote" Power Five leagues out there. And that people want to roll their eyes when they hear this, but it's true. You know, I think anybody can beat anybody, except with the exception maybe Pittsburgh. I don't know if they can beat anybody (laughs) right now, Uh, but but Georgia Tech certainly can. Like we were just saying a little bit ago. Uh, But to me, you know, a game like this, it's a matter of like kind of like you said, Keith. What what kind of team do you want to be? This is it's almost like a statement of intent, right? Uh, you know, if a, a loss tonight doesn't mean that Florida State can't make the NCAA tournament, uh, but it's you know, are you a team that that is is making a run at this thing that, that's taking this thing seriously and can make something happen, uh, or are you going to be a bubble team? And I think no matter what happens, I think Florida State's floor, no matter what happens, the rest of the season is, is they're going to have a reason to watch on Selection Sunday, whether they're on the bubble or whether they're firmly in. But to me, these types of games uh, at home against against Georgia Tech and then at home against the Miami team that beat you, but I think that you came away from that game thinking we can beat these guys at home, you know, wins in these two games to me are, are, are a statement of intent and say, hey, you know, we, we're here, we intend on, on playing in March and, and being part of that stage. And, again, not winning them or splitting them, not having success, doesn't mean that those things aren't necessarily true, but to me it's just, it's just a really positive sign uh, if you're able to go out and, and you know, to, to, again, borrow the cliche, handle your business, because I think these are two games that a, a good team, a solid tournament team, should expect to win
1: all right tim changing gears uh i'm hearing through the folks i talked to what are you hearing in that winter workouts whatever their whatever coach taggart's term for them is uh, are different and the one word that keeps coming out John Quez patrick used it is they are intense
5: yeah that uh that seems to be the uh the case the overarching sentiment and if you look back at um at, at uh, their time at Oregon, that staff time at Oregon. Uh, I think intense would probably be a pretty good word to uh, describe it. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of been you know what, we, what we've been able to gather. Haven't been able to see too much of that. They still keep that, that pretty under wraps so far. And, and I think everything will kind of get going really more in earnest over the next few weeks. We'll probably be able to learn a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I think that that's uh, probably a fair assessment. And also, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? You know, when you talk about the idea of, uh, of a coach coming in and putting his stamp on things or, uh, or sort of, you know, Snatching attention from guys and, and showing that that the uh, there's a new regime in town. Uh, off-season workouts are a pretty good place to start with that. And you know when you're trying to set a tone, uh, you know having having a lax or laid back or, or uh, you know softer approach to, to off-season conditioning, that's not really the way to do it. You know what I mean? So to me, it makes perfect and total sense that that, that would be the case. And then uh, you know, given the track record of of, uh, of what we've seen from from some of these, these coaches in the past, it's it's going to be tough on some guys. But I think you know, look if you're If you're a Florida State fan, you know, you hear that and you you think back to the the season that uh, the Florida State had and that they're coming off of, and you hear that off-season conditioning is is tough. Uh, You're probably nodding your head and saying, yeah, all right, that sounds good.
0: Tim, we're two weeks from signing day as we talk right now. Any thoughts? Has anything changed? I think Willie... Coach Taggart had indicated maybe I forget if it was sixteen to eighteen or fourteen to eighteen would be the to, I mean fourteen to sixteen would be the total number. But what do you expect in uh, two weeks from now in terms of uh, additional signees for FSU?
5: I think that number sounds about right, uh, and I think that that kind of goes back to to what he says. They they, they could go out and, and find some more guys uh, to to get some big numbers up and and you know sort of artificially feel good about yourself. But you know Willie Taggart's words, and I think most would agree, or was like what. That might make you feel good in the moment, but that, that's not going to help you. You know, signing guys that, that you don't actually think are a good fit for your program is not going to help you. So, yeah, I think that you know it could probably end up being a bit of a smaller number. But then, with with, uh, with at least compared to what you're used to, but then factor that in with uh, with the group from a few weeks ago uh, in the early signing period. I think it should be a a, a pretty solid class. You know, I, I kind of think back to uh, Jimbo Fisher's first signing class, and of course that that had you know some future pro guys and, and Telvin Smith, Lamarcus Joyner, and and some, some high-profile guys. But it wasn't a huge group, and, and it was, a, it was a, a class that maybe a, a few years later uh, or a few classes later maybe had some higher-profile guys, a few more of the, the five-star blue-chip type guys. But you had players who sort of, you know, I think, bought into what the, that staff was uh, was trying to sell initially and, and really sort of laid the foundation for what could follow. And, and to me, I think that's kind of what the goal is here. And it, it sounds like you know, you're getting some guys who can sort of, you know, come in on the ground floor, lay that foundation, and, and, and set things right and set things back on track uh, for Florida State's recruiting efforts in the future,
0: too. Well, there's a lot of excitement about the new era and about folks here hearing Coach Taggart speak in two weeks at the Seminole Booster event on signing day, which is already sold out. Uh, I'll let you go on this, but do we have any further idea or idea period, I guess, about – media policies and whether other coaches are going to be able to talk to the media or what that's going to look like or has he just been too busy piecing together a staff and a recruiting class to to sit down and hammer all that out
5: i think it's been mostly you know the the, the fact is the, uh, the the those coaches parking spots here at the moore center where, where everybody uh you know parks during the day they've been pretty empty lately those guys have been out on the road they've been busy i think that's their number one two three four and five priorities is, is making sure that they you know turn over every stone on the recruiting trail but uh, you know, we we have heard positive things uh, that, that maybe it might be uh, a, a little less restrictive, uh, particularly when it comes to assistant coaches. I don't know that for sure, but uh, but if you look back again at, uh, at at Willie Taggart's time at Oregon, you know, seeing uh, interviews with Jim Levitt, was a pretty uh, their defensive coordinator was a pretty regular occurrence. Mario Cristobal, the offensive coordinator, you saw that uh, and some of the other assistants. I don't know how regular that'll be. Uh, but it sounds like it'll be a little bit more regular than than what you were used to uh, over the last few years at, at Florida State where the, the assistant coaches basically talked once a year or twice a year, I guess, including signing day. So uh, my, my hunch is that we'll hear from those guys a little more often than than fans have been used to over the last few years.
0: Tim, keep up the good work. Appreciate it, guys. He is our Seminoles.com insider. You can uh, get complete coverage of tonight's basketball game, obviously, uh, via Tim and Seminoles.com right afterwards. Do you know how he's aware that the the – Reserved parking spots for the coaches have been empty. How is he aware of that? Because he has his very own reserved co- uh, parking spot that's even one spot closer to the Moore Center than said coaches. says reserved for Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt. You didn't know that. What you do know is that if you have a do it yourself project that needs to be finished, you should go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. couple locations to choose from. Stucky Avenue, Keith. You're familiar. Yes. Also, uh, Crawfordville Highway, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Their phone number, 580-1200, online at ctf.nu. Ron and company. Good people. You and I haven't had a chance to talk to each other. I don't think there's much time left in the show, but whatever time is left, you and I will actually converse. I look so forward to that. When we continue on Front Row no control.
2: No dark sock has a- Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at CTF.NU. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: A few minutes to go. It was a jam-packed edition today. Tom and Keith with you. and uh, So, not, Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. Yeah, I've been sitting next to you for an hour. We haven't had said
1: a word to each other yet. Well, we've had important people.
0: We're like phone operators here. We've just been talking into the microphone here to our guests. No, a good show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, we do this each and every week at uh, 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Us, meaning Front Row Knowles, or yours truly. You can't follow Keith on Twitter. I don't want to. I don't want to bury the lead here because we mentioned this at the top, and uh, because of the basketball game tonight, Keith, which tips off momentarily, uh, we put this show in the can earlier in the day uh, because of your broadcasting responsibilities over there. And so, as we were recording, is when the news first broke about DeAndre Francois last night, and I don't know any details other than the fact
1: that there's an investigation. There's an
0: investigation, and the state attorney is going to get involved, and that's all we know. The only thing. I can't – I don't know any of the details. I'm not going to speculate on that. I will say that from a time standpoint, uh, there's plenty of time to let everything run its course and get to resolution, and it also will be uh, the first – Issue, I mean, yeah, issue. Issue, I was going to say first test, but the first chance we get to see how Coach Taggart responds to a potential – I'll call it that right now – disciplinary issue or, or or more significant
1: than that if that's not the right term. And by all accounts from track record and conversations – uh, he is a little bit of a disciplinarian. So, uh, depending on how things work out, what the facts are when they become known, um, we'll have an opportunity to see.
0: One thing we didn't talk about changing gears, I thought about this when Tim mentioned that first signing class of Jimbo. Uh, you know, I started thinking about the 2013 class because he got a guy like Lamarcus Joyner in that first class. And then I started extrapolating further. FSU folks think of that 2013 team as one of the greatest college football teams of all time, but universally that is not the opinion because they're if you're not an FSU person, there was a lot of hatred towards that team, quite frankly, and a lot of disrespect for the ACC schedule. The point I'm making is that ultimately we'll judge that team eight, ten, twelve years from now down the road. And there's a couple guys this week that can help the legacy of that team in the next two weeks because they're going to be playing for a Super Bowl. Well, four four in total, but two two from that team, team right? Darby and Jernigan, and so uh, you know it it doesn't sound like that might be uh, relevant to that conversation right now but 10 years from now if you go back and say hey you know eight guys that started on that team won Super Bowl rings and Jalen Ramsey became a Hall of Famer and Jameis Winston was a starting quarterback for 15 years you know then you and and Aguayo landed on his feet and actually kicked in the league for then you look back at that team and you say that was a pretty good team because when we talk about 0-2 Miami we have time between it to look back and say this is what all those this is what Andre Johnson became this is what those running backs were this is what Sean Taylor was we have time to judge that correct we don't have that yet so uh, I'm excited for those guys uh I don't hate Tom Brady or the Patriots I get tired of seeing them but I have the utmost respect for him and it's not like I love Philly, but I am going to be rooting for the Eagles with those four knolls on the team. Well,
1: I'm going to be rooting for the four Noles, uh, basically, and I'm the same way we One do. of them local, by the way, we should point out, and Nigel Bradham. Exactly. Uh, and Wakala is real excited about um, him being there. Uh, one last thing. Can I bring it up? Well, you're going to. Uh, wh- why do we have the recruiting kickoff meeting on the same night as we're entertaining the number two basketball team in the entire country? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you want me to get Swafford on the line to discuss? I, I I I don't want to change the basketball game. I think it would be easier to change the kickoff. I mean the the recruiting. Well, time. so
0: you have a confluence of events. Signing day is always the first Wednesday in February. Typically, there's a ACC basketball game that day. In this particular case, Virginia will uh, are they they're in town?
1: It's a home game. It's and... a
0: home game in Virginia's number two. <laughs> yep. Can we move that to Thursday? I'd I you know. Get, you want your, to, get your people to call those other people you want coach taggart to come speak at uh, before and at halftime of the basketball game i, I, I don't I'm know just
1: asking questions the point is it's a big night for the basketball team in two weeks for the basketball team yes so why are we taking away by doing something we could do the know. next night it's a
0: big night tonight is this is this what you woke up grouchy about today they're playing georgia tech tonight i'm just asking all right We're done. See what happens? we got four minutes to talk to each other. That's why we don't talk to each other. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the game, everybody.